Good morning from Sam Ritz. We are live. This is a very special show coming to you from Nomad. And of course, you're listening to Monocle on Sunday with me, Tyler Burley. On today's program, we'll explore the dialogue between art, architecture, and design with selected names from Nomad, including renowned gallerist Larkin Erdman. And we'll also hear from local editors about the latest headlines from this part of the world. With me today, here at the Hotel Eden, is the co-founder of Nomad, Nicolas Bellevant-Lecomte, and also artist and designer Rolf Sachs. It's the 25th of February, 2024, live from Sam Ritz. This is Monocle on Sunday. Live from San Moritz, this is Monocle on Sunday with Tyler Brule. And good morning from a very snowy summer. It's absolutely gorgeous here. Just when we thought winter was over, it is back. Uh, there is going to be definitely uh, a good uh, another month. Uh, of course, unless the weather completely changes up here for an amazing season. I'm happy to say that we're back for another edition of Nomad. I'm very, very happy uh, to say that, of course, uh, Rolf Sachs is beside me this morning. It wouldn't be a complete program. It wouldn't be Sam Moritz uh, without uh, Rolf Sachs. Good morning. Very nice to see you. Good morning, Tyler. Tell us, uh, set, set the scene for us this morning. I, mean, I sort of talked a little bit about uh, the snow that is here, but just uh, quickly, Rolf, uh, what, what are we seeing? Where are we right now? Okay, the last 48 hours, it snowed something like 60 centimeters up here. And I woke up and I looked out of the thing and the sun was slowly working its way through the mist. Yeah, and the last snowflakes. And it was truly magical. And it is really cold. It hadn't been that cold uh, in the last few days. And now I'm looking forward and I'm moving to the Cresta Run where we will have a glorious race today. Okay, we'll talk about that in a moment. I'm, I'm also very happy to say uh, that the co-founder, one of the co-founders uh, of Nomad, uh, Nicolas Bellevance-Lecomte, is here this morning uh, as well. Good morning. Very nice to see you around the microphone in this space. Uh, you've been, you know, with, with Samadhan two years ago. Uh, last year, we were, of course, uh, down the slope uh, at the Grace. Now we're up here, uh, closer and closer into the village. Uh, tell us about this year's edition. And, and again, the setting that we're in this morning. Good morning, by the way. Yes, good morning, Tyler. Uh, yeah, the two, let's say this year is a very special edition, I must say, because we managed to take over the former Hotel Eden, which is more than a construction site, it's almost more of a demolition site, I would say. And it was uh, quite a challenge for Giorgio and I uh, when we decided to uh, bring Nomad in this venue because... Um, as you can see, it is quite a challenge to put in, in safety and to be sure that all of the exhibitors will manage to hang art or even to be able to carry like large size crates within this building. And also, the let's say, the feedback from the visitors. We were very curious to see what it would be in such a demolition site. But I must say, overall, it was uh, very, very good. Uh, many of the visitors even told us it was like the best ever location, which we was quite surprising when you think about it, because we were in like, amazing, also historic uh, houses, such as the Chesa Planta in Samedan, which is like definitely like a sort of uh, jewel of architecture from here. But somehow the adventure of discovering such a construction site and getting into these little rooms and also the way to showcase uh, the different artworks and design works from the various galleries created such a contrast and it created such an interest, I must say, for every single uh, presentation of the galleries we had. Nicola, for those who maybe have not caught up with us in previous editions, uh, maybe just uh, tell us where Nomad sits 
in the art calendar. Of course, uh, it's up here. Uh, you also head off to Capri uh, as well. But how, how do you position yourself? Uh, and yeah, and think about maybe our, our listeners uh, who are tuning in in Melbourne and other corners of the world uh, this afternoon, this morning. Uh, where do you position yourselves? Well, let's say that uh, we created Nomad to become a sort of alternative to the usual white cube uh, shows that you have. We wanted to create an experience. We wanted to, to let's say, uh, generate an experience through the idea of like a dialogue between architecture, uh, design, art, and encounters, let's say, between uh, different people in uh, specific destination, let's say. We didn't want to be in like large-sized cities or anything like this. We really wanted to create a moment where people can take time to discover art, design, and do uh, great meetings also with gallerists, artists, and uh, just like to create this specific atmosphere that like it's uh, became a bit difficult to, do, to have uh, in this like global context in a way. Ralph, uh, you are the insider, uh, and uh, and yeah, literally with one foot here today. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about uh, exhibitions running uh, a little bit further uh, down the valley uh, as well. But maybe put this into a context for us, because it is such an incredibly full calendar of sport-focused events. Uh, of course, music. There is this really amazing array of things that happen up here. But when we think about art and its relationship to to Saint Moritz, uh, you know, everyone it seems like almost every whether it's a little dwarf, a little village around the world, wants to sort of jump on an art bandwagon right now. But maybe if we think about the legacy of people who are here, uh, there's always an incredible enclave of people who are coming here for, for holiday, even in contemporary terms. But uh, tell us a little bit uh, about sort of the ecosystem that's up here. I think St. Moritz, obviously, when people ask me, what is this valley special about? It's the light. So obviously, incredible light always will attract artists. So here we had, of course, the famous artists Segantini and Giacometti are probably the most known ones. There are quite a number of uh, photographers who were up here. Yeah, some local photographers who became uh, world names like uh, Steiner. And um, now, over the last 20 years, I think there has been a fantastic development in St. Moritz. Suddenly, galleries have popped up everywhere. Okay, it has happened also in New York and Paris and London. Obviously, the art scene has expanded vastly, which is a wonderful thing because it hopefully opens the minds of many more people than it did before, where it was a sort of very privileged thing to be in touch with art. And uh, now we have galleries in St. Moritz. We have galleries uh, down all that way down the valley. We have the beautiful museum in Sus. We have Not Vidal, who bought the beautiful Schloss Taras. So the whole valley now is somehow a really visual arts, yeah, complex nearly. And Nomad has a fantastic, uh, attracts a fantastic crowd and is such an eclectic show, which you normally don't see. So there are so many different disciplines and so many different uh, things from the decorative arts to the photography to glass works to uh, paintings, to think that it really, uh, it, uh, it really has a very has managed to get a very special spot 
up here in St. Moritz. Now, we know that, uh, Nicola, that, that this, uh, of course, sector of, of the cultural space can sometimes be quite promiscuous, uh, and you can be a player in one uh, city or village uh, or least stretch of a valley uh, for four or five years, uh, and then you, uh, you head off somewhere else. But do you see Nomad as um, very much a fixture up here? Is Nomad, St. Moritz, the Engadine synonymous now? Uh, or, or could you be tempted uh, over the hills to another valley? Well, this is quite a good question, I must say. Um, let's say having Giorgio, the other co-founder, being a resident heir is definitely for us. It made like, say, St. Moritz being a sort of a flagship mm. uh, destination for us. So I believe what we built in the past uh, definitely is here to stay, I would say. And I think we are nomadic in a way, but with changing different locations inside the valley. So I think we'd like to continue to explore uh, to be nomad, but inside Engadine in a way for the next three years at least. Ralph, um, don't let you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, whenever you sort of go by the 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 sort of the caserna, the uh, uh, where where the, the the Swiss military has uh, their base just down the valley, you see there's a lot of barbed wire. So we could easily sort of we could fence them in if we wanted to, couldn't we, Ralph? I think we could definitely. We'll always find a spot for them. Now let's just say down the valley. Uh, you're not showing right now, Ralph. Tell us about your uh, exhibitions. I mean, there's a bit of a double act going on uh, as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have a double act. I have a, a, the great joy to. Uh, show in a place called Stalle Madulein, which is a 500-year-old barn. It's really a special spot that inspired me terribly. I didn't even want to show up here anymore. But uh, this is so inspirational, I think I could have gone five different shows there. And then, uh, very lucky, and it's probably the only time, two villages down in Skanf in the Villa Flor, my wife or companion, I call her my wife, I find companion always a terrible word. <laughs> uh, my uh, wife is also having a show. Luckily, we have two totally different styles, so we don't, uh, you know, get into fights or into, uh, you know, push and shove. And so it's uh, quite unique for us this season because uh, probably it won't happen again. I just want to, uh, before we wrap up here, just uh, maybe reflect on, you know, it was interesting. If you looked at all of the Swiss press over the last, what, 10 days, it was talking, so focused on the end of the season, uh, the catastrophe for the mountains, the, the great rethink that is going on. And, and, of course, there is a rethink going on um, in all of these valleys. Ralph, we were saying before we went on air, everyone was throwing pictures from Stad yesterday. Uh, of course, you could say a complimentary but also competitive resort. Many people in St. Moritz also have a relationship to Stad as well. But it looks like spring. Time. I mean, uh, and here, as you said, we've got uh, 60, 70 uh, centimeters of fresh snow up here. Um, so it allows the season to run. But also there's an evolution happening as well. You know, we've been talking over the years saying, why can't, you know, a place like this stay open longer? Now this is starting to happen. Um, that it's not that you have, you know, the high season and then the hotels are closed and it becomes a little bit unhappy. Um, how, how do you see things evolving um, in this slightly new world that we're in? I think uh, the season is definitely getting longer. We had now, the, for instance, ICE, a fantastic automotive component with vintage cars uh, up here. Uh, super cool, sort of cool d'elegance, but not taken too serious, really taken the spirit and soul of St. Moritz. And they are speaking now about uh, doing 10 days next year so that they have a little bit more flexible. Because it was a, it was a whiteout. I mean, this is what people, people came in from around the world and this was... Yeah, it was a wipeout. I mean, there are people who came from uh, as far away as uh, Seattle, some from Asia. So it was really a, a great pity. So if they're here for 10 days, then at least 
they have a buffer, yeah, with the weather, and I think it is wonderful to have their crowd because the vintage car crowd is the crowd we want. They're elegant, they're nice, they're fun, yeah. They have a you know certain spirit. They obviously love beautiful things, yeah. So they will also fit uh, to nomad. And then I think what is happening also, people are finally discovering here how beautiful the fall is. The fall is incredible. The Souvretta Hotel stays open now until end of November. Yeah, I hope that other hotels will also follow because uh, this, this late spring and fall is really sort of a lost season up here, which is a beautiful uh, space. And I know what I'm talking about because I was eight years in school up here. There's a boarding school down the valley yeah, where I spent basically... My maturing years. Nigel, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, maybe tell us, uh, after this, uh, of course, uh, the big the big top comes down here, uh, and, and Nomad, of course, moves on. Uh, where, where, where are you heading next uh, with your nomadic boots on? Well, next weekend we will be in Dubai. We will have a special event with three artists as part of our last chapter of the program, Artists in Flux, that we did with Gucci, our main partner. And after the Dubai event, we will move to Capri for our summer edition from the 4th till the 7th of July at the Certosa di San Giacomo, this beautiful monastery from the 14th century. And uh, we, we've not uh, done a live broadcast from there, but I'm looking at my producers and maybe we need to come to Capri this summer uh, as well, potentially. Uh, how much, of course, the setting, everything very similar, uh, but also an overlap of audience, but also a completely new crowd. Uh, how much uh, would you say is there a difference in terms of who would be exhibiting here versus the crowd that you're able to bring uh, in across summer, not just in terms of audience, but also in terms of gallerists? Yeah, let's say we have like a very different typology of galleries exhibiting between Capri and St. Moritz. I would say uh, Capri has more obviously of a summer uh, vibe, definitely, and it's more linked to the Mediterranean. And we have also many Americans visiting because it's the week of the 4th of July, obviously, but as well as many Middle Eastern also visitors. And it's a sort of a yacht show also down at Marina Piccola. So... All of this generates a sort of uh, uh, clientele visitors who are uh, looking for, uh, let's say, more bold installations and, let's say, more strong and striking artworks and pieces of design, let's say, as opposed to St. Moritz, where it's more into details, history, and it's a bit more maybe in intellectual and delicate, I would say, maybe sometimes uh, the presentations. I must say most of the galleries here this edition and in the past ones also, they said that like the most educated uh, visitors they had in all of the fairs they did in the world was in St. Moritz. So. Which is, yeah, rather flattering. Uh, Ralph, just before you have a sip of that water, uh, very fast, 30 seconds or less. You're moving from more of an artistic scene right now. You're going to get a bit sportivo uh, after this. Uh, you're just heading, uh, well, about 150 meters from here. Yeah, I'm going down to the Cresta Run. This is a very special sport. It's uh, 140 years old. You have to think that when it started, there wasn't even a football club. So it's to put it into perspective, it's quite interesting. And before 1900, if you didn't throw yourself out of the window, you couldn't go faster with anything. Yeah, because obviously it was pre uh, car days and today coincidentally it's my father's race the Gunter Sachs challenge it's a big race it's the only race where you have three runs and only two counts so you're allowed to f fall out once and tonight I have my night race 
yeah, which I introduced, I don't know, some 30, 40 years ago. So it's a very lively day for me. Rolf Sachs, uh, very good uh, having you here. Also, Nicolas Bellevance-Lecomte, uh, co-founder of Nomad. Gentlemen, have uh, a lovely uh, rest of your Sunday. You're listening to Monocle on Sunday. We are live in Sagamore. So we're going to go away uh, for a very short break, uh, but we'll continue our conversation right after this. back with Monocle on Sunday with me, Tyler Bully. Just gone at 10.21 uh, here in uh, St. Moritz. As we said, we are broadcasting live uh, from the Eden Hotel. Uh, very much a, a construction site, a space uh, in uh, evolution uh, here in, in the heart of the village. But we want to sort of maybe go a little bit uh, deeper uh, and, of course, uh, maybe tour the floors uh, of this space uh, as well. And I'm very happy uh, to say that uh, Sophie Negapontis uh, is here, uh, founder of the Gallery Negapontis uh, Paris Space, also uh, Florent Daguet-Bresson, uh, also from uh, a gallery of the same name. Uh, both here. Good morning. Bonjour. Very nice to see you. Good morning. Bonjour. Uh, Good morning, Tyler. Uh, why don't uh, we start with you, uh, Sophie? Just uh, tell us a little bit, um, I guess, you know, partly the positioning of, of Nomad. You know, why sort of make the journey? Uh, there's probably many places that, are, and of course, you do participate in many other places as well. But I guess the importance of coming to an environment like this, because it is not easy. This is not an easy space. We're almost 2,000 meters above sea level. Uh, why make the pilgrimage up here? Uh, actually, it's a tremendous place. Um, you know what? Uh, I've shown in several fairs, but I really believe more and more on uh, experience, uh, new experience for, um, I, I think the, the visitors uh, want something else. So uh, Nomad was a, an amazing opportunity. Nomad as itself and the Nomad Samoris, it's definitely amazing. And uh, also the place is really, it's a challenge indeed, but actually it's a so funny challenge. Everybody was super excited. I mean, all the artists I'm showing were super excited about the place when they've seen the photos. And um, it's, uh, it makes things also quite real and uh, also doesn't get much more real than, than, <laughs> than this uh, with exposed beams, uh, rusting uh, steel pillars and many other things. Yeah, but it's ma it makes things very contemporary. It makes things also, um, um, I, I, I think people can believe, can imagine things, uh, bringing things at home and uh, changing their own apartment uh, to, to something or the chalet or whatever. <laughs> Uh, Florian, you, uh, you, were, you were smiling. You've been rolling your eyes a little bit uh, hearing this story uh, as well. But also uh, for you making the journey up here, you know, experience one thing, uh, but also needs to be the audience as well. People need to see things in, uh, in, in context. Uh, but why, why an exhibition like, uh, like Nomad, uh, given you have so many places to, to choose from? Oh, for me, like I am a young girl dealer. I just opened my gallery in Paris and I never show... Uh, my artist in this area. So my first intention was to discover new clients and to show my artists to a new audience. And then I was always attracted by Nomad, by the way they um, give us the opportunity to show our artists. And I have to say the atmosphere of this place is completely different. As I say, Sophie, it's give challenge, fun challenge, and visitors want to see different fairs. And Nomad is 
a great fair for that to create a new atmosphere. So um, maybe, so let's if we could uh, tour your space uh, in an audio uh, perspective, um, and and maybe also the the type of curation that happens between yeah, of course you have uh, a tableau in, in Paris where you can do one thing. You come here, and of course you have something completely different. Um, but maybe just tell us uh, who's who's on, uh, of course, show um, and what you've chosen to feature here as well. Uh, actually, I always uh, travel like with my own. Uh my whole house with me, like all the artists, almost all of them. But uh, what I choose is smaller pieces and obviously uh, choice of colors. And for instance, I have pieces by uh, glass artists Perrin and Perrin, and there are like uh, glacier pieces. Uh, the one which is in front of the window, it looks really like the mountain. It's uh, snow on top and then uh, transparent and then the, the trees. And uh, But most of the pieces, I mean, um, most of the artists I show uh, do very large pieces, very large and very heavy. I try to be less heavy than usual, and also uh, a little bit smaller in order to fit in the in the space here, and uh, also to, uh, to 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 fit in a chalet in a smaller, uh, a lower ceiling places. Um, so that was the main idea. I'm showing uh, Gianluca Pacchioni, uh, Mauro Mori. Uh, Perrin et Perrin, Etienne Moya. Um, I don't want to forget anybody. <laughs> Benjamin Poulange, uh, Ulrika Lilieldan, uh, and still I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting someone. But it's, I'm, I'm fascinated that you actually sort of think in almost a retail way when you say that you're actually thinking about pieces that, yeah, people could just see it almost immediately in their chalet, in their, in their apartment, which is, you know, obviously, as you say, you've, you've got, of course, you know, more significant pieces in your gallery of scale, size, weight. Um, is this also partly because you would like people just to be porte-porte, they can, they can leave with it at the, because you're not having to take it back to Paris? <laughs> no, it's more because it's, uh, uh, I'm living with the artist, I'm living with the, the pieces, and I, um, it's, it's about me. Actually, <laughs> it's about how I feel the things in the space, how I, I, I could feel uh, I, I, it's, it's my, it's, it became my home for uh, these few days. And uh, also because uh, uh, both uh, Nicola and Giorgio give this uh, so family atmosphere and so, uh, so warm atmosphere. And it's, uh, it's really a family. So I'm, I'm um, Using the space like my home. <laughs> and and Florian, for you, uh, just tell us, um, yeah, I, what the, the focus of your future is uh, here, and again, how you're differentiating, of course, what you from what you do back at home base as well. Mm, I'm showing ceram uh, contemporary ceramic artists, so I try to bring a panel of what can fit in the area. But my first intention was really to discover my to make discover my artists to the visitor of Nomad. They are all young or emerging artists using a new way to explore a ceramic with new perceptions. They're playing most of them with the medium to create new aesthetic. So I just wanted to also just uh, reflect uh, with both of you. It's, it's interesting. We're, we're you know, when we were doing a program similar to this, we were talking about the world of art four years ago, uh, of course, uh, yeah, at the start of a pandemic uh, at, at that time. It was, it was amazing, people proclaiming what the future was going to be. It was, you know, the world, every, every exhibition was going to be tablet-based uh, and coming together in a place like this almost seemed, seemed unthinkable because people wanted to feel very bullish about how easy it was uh, suddenly. Uh, I can imagine, though, uh, yeah, maybe just the sense of you saying it's like being like a home back here. Uh, you're 
and maybe despite, of course, also the, the logistic challenges of getting, you're rather probably thrilled uh, that we're kind of finished with, um, I mean, of course, the digital side exists still, but coming together like this, uh, I guess, is probably a little bit irreplaceable. Um, actually, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a little bit funny because uh, at the same time during uh, this pandemic, uh, for me and for the people I work with, we worked really a lot, and we uh, we did new um, uh, new programs. And um, the things which change, it's uh, I think people want a more exclusive experience, um, something more special. That's why, for instance, during a pandemic, I was thinking with uh, I, I started to work with several new artists, and um, I also started to look for a new place, which I'll be opening uh, in. One month? Not, not even that. Uh, in Venice. An additional space, or uh, no, a more, um, more permanent space in Venice, and uh, it's a collaboration also. And I'm very keen on on collaboration. So it's a collaboration with the um, Fondazione Massieri, and with the UAV, and with uh, two amazing architects, uh, Giulio Mangano and uh, Roberta Bartolone to uh, um, renovate a space and to be showing uh, and to make it uh, live. Okay, and obviously this will be uh, ready in time for the Biennale. If, if we're one one okay. one month out, I, I would that, hope that's the point. Yeah, and and of, of course, hopefully, uh, all all Italian builders in Veneto getting it done for you uh, in, in time. It, it, it's already done. We're installing next week, actually. Okay, um, and just before we go, Florian, uh, what's coming up for you in terms of next exhibitions? Uh, yeah, uh, people heading your direction. Uh, what's on the calendar next three months, next six months? The calendar will be crazy for the next month. So I just opened my space in. Paris, eight arrondissements near uh, Place de la Concorde. So we did just th three weeks ago the opening with a, a show called Ouverture, where I'm showing one piece to all of my artists. I work with 22 artists. So this exposition running till March. And in March, I will do a solo show of Claire Linder, which is one of my highlight and very in-view artists. I'm support now since three years. She has show in Singapore right now, one in Miami. So she's kind of my little star now. So this will be a very um, attentive show for me. And then I'm doing Pat Paris also in beginning of April. And another show in South of France, uh, kind of nomad mood. It's in Priore Saint-Siphorien. It's a private place in Provence, where we show Timothée Humbert, which is one of my uh, also highlighted artists. And uh, then many other solo shows coming and other fair. I hope maybe another Nomad, maybe Nomad Capri. Why not? Why not? Uh, we're going to have to uh, leave it uh, there. Uh, Sophie Negropon, it's very nice uh, to see you this morning. And also Florian Daguerre-Bresson, uh, wonderful. Uh, have a very nice Sunday. It's uh, 10.31. Uh, Emma Nelson is back in London uh, with the news headlines. Thank you very much indeed, Tyler. Donald Trump has taken a step towards securing the U.S. presidential nomination. He won almost twice as many votes as Nikki Haley in primary held in her home state of South Carolina. U.S. and U.K. forces have carried out more strikes on Houthi sites in Yemen. The 18 strikes are the fourth such joint operation by the Allies. The body of the Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny has been returned to his mother. She'd reportedly been told to agree to a secret burial, and if she refused, he'd be buried at the prison colony where he died. According to the NZZ, the media company Tamedia is planning to close its printing plants. The three sites in Zurich, Bern and Lausanne will be put up for sale, with a newspaper reporting that it's part of Tamedia's new corporate strategy. 
And Switzerland is still in love with coins and notes, according to a survey by the Central Bank. Around 92% of companies which operate face-to-face businesses in Switzerland accept cash, while just 59% accept payment via apps. Campaigners have raised concerns about younger and older people being marginalised because they don't have access to payment apps or cards, while the number of banks and cash machines is declining. Those are the headlines. Back to you, Tyler, in Samaritz. Emma, thanks for that. Okay, little uh, survey. Uh, if we opened up your purse right now, uh, how many pound coins, how many notes, uh, or are you only paying on your phone these days? Uh, that's quite a cheeky question. Uh, it's a combination of both. There's a lot of phone, but there is always a purse and is always a wallet. Um, and it's always with me. And it's and using less and less, but very satisfying to take out and use sometimes. Tyler, I know you were writing about your phone in your column this morning. How often do you tap and go <laughs> I, I can't tap and go with my phone. i'd like to tap and throw with my phone uh, actually i i'm as you know i am i was the last was it the last person in our whole corporation uh who had a, a physical qwerty keyboard uh i was really the last man standing with a blackberry i've now got this ridiculous samsung um and it just drives me absolutely crazy and of course i wrote about this in my column today and i've had lots of people sending me photos of of, of course the 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 new attachment that you can get uh, for your iPhone that has um, a, a, a keyboard at the bottom, but I'm, I'm still not quite convinced. Is that another thing you have to attach to something which used to work exactly, but exactly. quite well by itself? Right, exactly. You've got to sort of have all kinds of various appendages when we actually had something that was perfectly fine uh, first time around. But uh, anyway, we could spend a whole program. We could make a five-part <laughs> documentary series uh, about this topic. But um, Emma, maybe stick around because we're going to be doing a little bit of a news review uh, at the moment, uh, also talking a little bit about things that are, uh, that are happening uh, in this part uh, of the world um, as well. And I'm very happy to say that uh, David Spindler is joining us uh, us. Uh, he's a former uh, radio correspondent uh, for Radio Romancha, uh, and he's now the managing director of the Nature Park uh, Biosphere uh, in Valmustar. Um, and I'm also happy to say that uh, uh, Marius Kretschmer is here, uh, editor and reporter uh, for the Engadin for the Sudost Schweiz. Uh, and we should probably say, I'm wondering, uh, do you, do, we should probably start, do you own printing presses uh, as well? Or are you having to, as we heard in the news headlines just now, that Tom Media is closing their printing plants? Uh, do, you, do you have your own? Or do yeah. you? Yeah, we have our own uh, printing presses, and uh, we print not only the Ostschweiz, but other media as well. Okay, well, yeah. they're, they're probably going to be coming coming to you to uh, to leverage on that. Why don't we start on, uh, let's say, the story front first. Uh, if we were throwing open uh, our screens, uh, opening up the Sudostschweiz uh, today, what, what are what are the lead stories? What are the conversation points? And we should say, newspaper based in Coor, uh, of course, the, the capital uh, of, of the region, uh, and you have the not small task, of, of course, covering all of these stories uh, in valleys, on mountaintops, one of the more challenging terrains to be running a newspaper in the world. But what's what's on the front page this morning? Um, I actually did look uh, this morning, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, my story would be on there. Um, I wrote a story about the mental health and uh, yeah, the mountains. And um, I interviewed a, a psychiatrist and uh, he told me lots of great things that, that it boosts your mental health and it's just great to be to be around here. Okay, so you did you actually go on a hike with him, or did you sit down in, in his office? I'm, I'm always curious, but when it comes to the craft of doing journalism, how did you do that interview? Emma, I'm sure you've probably got a question on this one as well, but uh, but but tell us how, how, how you got the story first. So um, they were uh, doing like like a press release, and I was not very interested at first, but then I uh, read in a um, different magazine that uh, there's this connection between mental health and uh, the, the mountains in general and the nature and uh, then I was um, yeah then I was uh, 
texting him or writing an email, and uh, yeah, then we then we spoke about this. But he didn't, in his he, office. he didn't yeah. demand you that you go out on a hike with him. Then no, this no, didn't no, happen. No. <laughs> um, now I'm sort of very I'm I'm clear as David because you've made the jump from journalism. Uh, you're now managing director of, of course, this extraordinary uh, biosphere uh, in in Val Mushtar. Does this sort of story chime with you? You thought maybe for your own mental health, it was good to leave the world of journalism uh, and maybe take on an assignment uh, like this? No, it, it was not good because it was a very good world, the world of journalism for me, uh, just in this region here. I worked here and uh, in the Romanche part and it was and it is still very interesting. So I every time say that I have changed from a good world in another good world. I'm now not the observer, I'm now the actor. And, and tell me just a little bit, you know, of course, this this notion of the biosphere, uh, of course, uh, and, and certainly in Switzerland, uh, yeah, many of them, uh, and of course, uh, many of course vying for attention uh, in terms of, uh, of course, yeah, traffic, or I should, we shouldn't call it traffic, but of course, visitation. Um, but how are you positioning things? And, and again, I think taking your skills as a journalist, uh, of course, moving to be the MD of this uh, project, uh, what does what your day look like? Um, I would say that I, um, <clears throat> I say every every time I should uh, drink coffee all the day, not because I like coffee that much, but because I have to talk to people. I have to talk uh, to them about sustainability. That's what we are doing. We are trying to uh, change our world in a sustainable world, and people decided to do this, as it often is in Switzerland, that people decide to do something and not a government or something else, somebody else. And the people in Valmistar decided to be a model region for sustainability. And I'm trying to talk to them and to the whole world as now uh, what we are doing. We are, um, for example, uh, trying to do uh, to have a tourism which is uh, close to nature and culture and not uh, infrastructure based. Uh, that's a little example. Um, but yeah, you could say that may, probably many places have a, a, a similar positioning. So when you think about, uh, of course, yeah, what many wonderful re re reasons to come up to this part of, of the world as well. But when you think about actually like, the, the specific points, the features uh, that you have to attract people, uh, you might be talking to maybe uh, you know, someone running a tourism agency in Japan. What are the three points that you're saying why they have to and, 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 and that points of attraction to come to you? One is that we have nothing. We have our nature. It's another. It's a translation from this. Uh, we have our nature. It's it's quite uh, radical. This nature. So the second point is we uh, work on circular economy. So we try to uh, produce the things. For example, uh, we have constructed uh, cheese dairy, and the, the 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 farmers can produce their cheese, and you can eat it there. And the hotels have this cheese and not another one. So we try to keep everything very regional. And um, so it is quite, um, yeah, it's quite, uh, we need, uh, we don't need many things. And we are searching people which uh, are searching this, which are searching nothing, which are searching uh, the quiet nature. Uh, they just can sit and look and do nothing. And also it's, it's what's amazing when you're, when, when you're in Valmestaya, it's, it, you know, you're at the heart of Europe on one side, but you also feel like you're in the most remote place uh, as well. I mean, this is this amazing thing that you're very central uh, because here we are in, in Switzerland. But then once you are in the valley, you, you feel almost so disconnected. And this has to be a, yeah, I would say as well, a point of sale too. Yeah, if you want to come to Valmistair, then you have to travel a, a long time from Zurich Airport. It's uh, 
four hours in by car, for example, or better, it's when you come by train and postal car, so by the public uh, traffic. So then you have five hours, but you uh, travel are traveling then along a beautiful landscape, all Switzerland, and then you have the time, your soul have the time to come with you and to be in Valmistar. So I think you have to take the time. It's it's a good investment. Indeed. Um, it's interesting when we when we think about Valmastar, we think about uh, the topography of this place. Oftentimes when I'm uh, reading uh, stories in your newspaper, we're always hearing about, uh, yeah, maybe unfortunate stories about uh, people that are falling down cliffs uh, and ravines. Uh, some of them have a okay ending, some of them don't. Um, one of the stories that uh, you feature, though, is, uh, the ho- let's say, the main hospital for this valley, uh, not very far from here, in Samadhan, uh, that there is a bit of a debt issue uh, with, with that hospital uh, at, at the moment, which seems kind of surprising because uh, this is also, yeah, one of the uh, probably wealthier uh, stretches uh, of, of the world, you could say. Uh, so it seems rather striking that a hospital is, uh, yeah, has racked up sort of rather large debts. Tell us a little bit about the, the story. So the problem is that um, the people who are patients, maybe patients, um, it, it varies. It varies a lot, like from 20,000 in, in off-season to over 100,000 in, in main season. So um, you can't just hire people like for for short periods of time in, in, in the hospital industry, I say. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why they have to um, have high capacities, but uh, yeah. And so you so you say that there's basically a sort of fluctuation issue in yes. terms of the, the level of staffing, etc. I thought for a moment you were going to say that it's a lot of foreign people actually coming up here and not not paying their their bills or waiting waiting for a long time to maybe get the insurance company in the states to pay. But uh, that that is not not the reason for it. That's not the reason for it. Um, most people who come here actually are Swiss, so. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm just very, very curious, uh, and maybe on the story of, of journalism. And uh, I want to just go back. It's, it's. I've always sort of amazed uh, that you were working for the Romanche Service, uh, of uh, which is, of course, part of the the, the, the bigger state broadcasting uh, uh, umbrella. Um, it is, and Emma, this is kind of you know, remarkable because you know you're listening from the UK right now, where of course we also have various language radio services, of course, uh, from from the BBC uh, as well. But you know that there's a, a nightly newscast. Uh, on on television, of course, there's a rolling a rolling radio service uh, as, as well, and I I'm, I was always sort of fascinated because a it's it's such an amazing language to listen to. And did you ever have any sense also how many people are listening overseas who are listening online uh, just for maybe the charm uh, of, of this language? Because you could look at sort of you know uh, you know people want to sort of you know tune into YLE from Finland just to just to hear the staccato tones of Finnish. I'm wondering was there any sort of global fan base for uh, Romance radio as well? Um, we have uh, some Romanche people also in uh, United States, England. Uh, they are living everywhere, not very many of them, but they are living. And um, so you have you have just echoes from them. And what you have is very uh, much people from, from the German part of Switzerland. They uh, just, uh, in the television, you can uh, have, have it about with uh, subtitles. So uh, I know that there are... Um, German-speaking people which are looking the news from our region because it's quite a little bit like being in holidays then. Um, Emma, I'm wondering uh, if, um, of course, we know that you like the mountains. Uh, you, you like, I mean, <laughs> listen, you, 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 I don't know if you, over the past few years, we've, we've dragged you to Switzerland a little bit more uh, than, than you kind of 
being in your sort of traditional world, which is which is Austria. But um, I'm wondering, as you listen to these two gentlemen, are you maybe think it would be interesting to do a bit of an exchange program? Uh, maybe spend, <laughs> spending some time on the overnight news desk at the at the Sudostschweiz. Please book me in. The the reason why, but I'm not entirely sure how attractive a couple of weeks uh, treading your leather on the cold and brutal pavements of London might be for for Marius and 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 for the for the team out up in the Engadine. Because when you, what I loved about Marius' eyes just perked up, Emma. I, I think he, oh, really? he, he I think he's attracted to maybe doing a couple of weeks in London. So uh, I think you might already have an exchange on your hands. Right, let's do this because I could happily do up there and go, go up there. And there's what there's about forty thousand speakers of of Romance around the world, and I think it's one of those languages that I think we all need to tune into. I love those moments where you oh wait, late breaking um, news. We, we think we think it's sixty thousand actually. Yes. Wait, hold on, Six? stand by. Oh, here, I do here, 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 here comes here comes the official number. Go ahead, tell us. <laughs> yeah, it's about we every time says it's about uh, sixty thousand because they're all bilingual. So it's not just uh, people which are only talking Romance. You will, I, I, I say you will not find some person like this but about 60,000 uh, people which are um, understanding and speaking Romance. Okay, there you go. Can I possibly ask you to speak a bit of Romance for us? Just say, you know, good morning from San Moritz and, you know, tell us what you're doing because I, I don't think I've heard it for a very long time. Only on the train probably. <laughs> yes. Ma io posso Jens saluto dal studio da Londra, da qui ad Avenda Lingiadina. Io sono Ozni della Val Mistair sul Puzzle Forum, tra il Parc Nazionale, per venire qui a San Moritz, per tavellare un po' con vostra radio in Inghilterra e io già vi ho avuto tutti una bella domenica. So, Emma, what did you get? About 60% of that? or? Well, the, yes, you're sort of trying to work out geographically. It is, it's interesting, isn't it? In different directions, aren't they? You, you go to Italy for a bit, then you have a, have a little bit of German, and then it just bounces somewhere alpine. It's gorgeous. Now, I, and I just have one question. Someone said that the, the origins of Romance was, this is, of course, there's many, of course, many versions of this. I like this one, that it's, it was also Roman legions that were sort of caught up in the, in the valleys and that it, it, is, it, is, it is properly ancient in, in that sense. But what is the official line? Uh, we, want, we, want, we want to get the number of speakers right, uh, but also uh, how, how do you see the origins of Romance? It's a Latin language, like Italian, French, Spanish, and all those things. And uh, yeah, all the Grisons uh, were sometimes, all the Grisons were uh, Romance. So, uh, and, and also parts of Italy, you have also uh, today, you have in the South uh, Tyrol, you have the Ladin. It's also Romance. You have Friulan in um, uh, Italy. There is, this is also a um, Romance. So, it's a Latin language. So, um, yeah. Emma, go see if you can find it on Duolingo. I don't, I don't know if it exists, if it, if it exists or not, but uh, you can, you can sort of polish up. And uh, yeah, you might sing uh, Marius uh, also your way very soon. Uh, David Schmidler, very nice uh, having you on the program. Uh, also, uh, Marius Kretschmer from uh, the Sudoschweiz. You're listening to Monocle on Sunday, 1047 uh, here in St. Moritz. We are going away for a short break. We'll be back right after this.
And it is uh, just coming up to 10.48. You're listening uh, to Monocle uh, on Sunday. We are live in St. Moritz uh, at the uh, Nomad uh, Fair. I'm very happy to say uh, that, uh, well, my former neighbor, maybe he's going to be my neighbor again soon. We have to talk uh, a little bit about Paris in a moment. Uh, Larkin Erdman uh, is here. Nice to see you. Good morning. Looking very trachty for us uh, this morning as well. Just for you, Tyler. Yeah, always. Always just for me. Uh, also, uh, Fritz Steinhardt is here uh, from the Stable Gallery. Uh, very nice to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, let's, uh, let's start uh, with... With you, Larkin, I, I, you were just as before we went on air, and I was going to talk about it a bit earlier because you know where else, uh, you know, can you be doing a radio program uh, from two tables, uh, and we have a, a very fine piece of art uh, behind us. You're a bit concerned about it. Uh, you were asking if I would was bumping up against it, but I said Rolf Sachs almost elbowed this piece, but didn't didn't quite happen. He did, he did lean onto it, not even lean into it, leaned onto it. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't here. Uh, What what are we looking at behind us? I mean, how wonderfully framed we are uh, this morning. We're looking at a Man Ray painting from 1952, um, and it's called The Flirt, which I think um, is... is That's what Rolf was doing with it a little bit. He was was rubbing his bum against it. He's not that tall, but... Um, and I am, we're preparing a big exhibition with Man Ray painting, so I thought this was, would be a very nice opportunity to show it the, the work. And George Apache was so nice of, uh, to let us show it in the hallway, so it's got a lot of attention. Okay, and uh, had, had Rolf damaged it? Uh, what, what, how big would the invoice well, have, be that you sent it to him? How, how, how much is it going for? Well, I'd like to send it to you, actually. I think you need some little <laughs> up your, your, your collection game there. Uh, how much is it? It's, we're asking 210,000 Swiss francs, but it's on hold. Oh, it's on hold already. Okay, well, anyway. Um, it's good morning. Very nice to see you, uh, nice to see you uh, as well. Do you have a competitive piece to this one this morning? I don't think so, no. No? No. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe uh, tell us, uh, for our listeners, uh, what's uh, what's on show uh, in, in your gallery. I mean, not just here, but also uh, for those who aren't familiar with Stable Gallery. So I have a, a space in Stjampf, which is a village down the valley, <clears throat> and I focus on young emerging artists. Um, and at the moment, we're doing... At the, at the fair, we're showing four different artists, and at the gallery, we're showing a young Swiss artist called Yves Scherer. He's sort of up and coming, and um, yeah, gave us a beautiful show. I think everyone should go and see it if they have the time. And at the gallery, we're sh- uh, at, this, at, the, at the fair, we're showing uh, Rudolf Polanski, Vera Klimentevia, Sigvik Knudsen, and um, Yves Scherer. Um, maybe uh, it's, it's always uh, great talking to you. Uh Larkin, because uh, you give us a bit of a, yeah, a temperature, uh, you know, and sort of a little bit of a state of where the where the sector is, because um, you're pinballing all over the world. Uh, you're, of course, uh, with your own, of course, fixed space, but also, uh, but you know, really, of course, out at uh, at fairs around the world. Um, how how do you see things? Because on one side, you know, we've been looking going into 2024 at the top end of the market, whether it's been property, whether we talk about the luxury goods industry, everyone's saying it's going to be, a, you know, a soft 2024, a lot of maybe trepidation, etc. Um, not just sort of measuring nomad, but but how are you seeing things? And maybe also maybe a bit of a review of, of 2023. Um, you know, how, how has that been for, of course, you can speak personally, um, which is always useful. Uh, but also when you speak to, of course, your peers in the sector as well, how, how are people feeling? I kind of disagree. I think 2024 is for us at least, and what I hear in the market has started with a with kind of a bang. We were we were very hesitant. End of 2023 was a complicated year because of all kinds of you know we're all aware of what's happening in the world. But 
So everybody was frightful for 2024, but we've hit it off with a, with a bang. And what I hear around us, I mean, it's not easy, easy, but I think we've all, um, yeah, it's, we jump-started the year for sure. And uh, what do you, well, I guess, as you, you have this one sort of narrative, what might, might be the analysts, et cetera, uh, but of course, uh, you know, you feeling sort of slightly, slightly different um, about things um, as well. And maybe we should also just pick up because, you know, so probably many of our listeners, uh, they didn't know who, you know, really, they, they would maybe know your voice from radio, et cetera, uh, but they wouldn't know you by seeing you, but you used to, of course, be a real fixture uh, at Dufostrasse uh, as well. Uh, you've, <laughs> of course, every not just me, everybody, everybody misses you on the street, but we might be neighbors soon as well, but we'll talk about that when we get off air because we've we've we found a very nice place down the street from you in Paris. Um, but uh, but also just, you know, this this idea of, of you know, of course, being in Asia, you know, then being over North America, lots of lots of pharaohs going on here. But I want to maybe just uh, maybe focus a little bit on where we are today um, at Nomad, this type of, of exhibition versus, you know, many others that you could go to um, holds a special place in your heart, unique in its positioning, because you're always, you know, you always seem sort of very perky and lively. I'm not sure if it's just the thin air that makes you feel like that up here. But um, what, uh, where does this sort of sit for you in terms of your calendar, in terms of importance? I think it's extremely important to do these local, locally very ingrained fairs. I think we just came from another fair that we did last week in Gstaad, and it was the first time that fair happened. And I think we feel like against other huge fairs that we do, say in Miami or Basel, that have a completely different different audience. Here, we meet the people, we've got time, we've got, they have time, they have, you know, they really are interested. We have much longer conversations. We have, we can actually, it's part of the fabric of the culture of the locally, you know, very, very interesting people that live here. And I think that context is, is celebrated through Nomad in a way that it's it's impossible to do any 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 other any other way. But it's just uh, interesting when you, when you pick up on that notion of local context. Uh, you're obviously m- making a, you know a, a feature or a focus on uh, on, on on Swiss artists uh, and or at least the what you're driving with with your current exhibition. What is the sort of the the mix between um, people coming from afar? I mean, real you know international uh, the internationally curious international collectors uh, versus speaking to to a domestic uh, Swiss audience? Would you say? I think it's uh, it's different. Uh, I think the Engadine especially has had a very long history of of contemporary art or even art in general. Goethe passed through here when he was on his way to Milan. You had the Giacometti's and the Segantini's who painted up here, and the the general population, I would say, have a true interest. There's a little anecdote. I had a neighbor who's a farmer, and she sort of looked in through the door, and I asked her to come in if she wanted to see the exhibition, and at first she was very hesitant and sort of left, I thought, the usual, maybe not that interested. And five minutes later, she came back and said, sorry, I just wanted to get changed because I was wearing my gardening clothes. I Again, I run the stable, which is an old stable, so it's quite dilapidated, I would say. Um, but I think that is is the general mindset up here is that people really really appreciate it and is there sort of maybe also a value in making the pilgrimage as well as opposed to sort of saying that yes you are on a side street off of Bahnhofstrasse uh, or off uh, Maximilianstrasse in Munich or somewhere else this idea that uh, yeah I, I had to really make the trek the journey uh, and, and maybe maybe also that also helps with the transaction got a game so far I better buy the damn thing but <laughs> no absolutely I think that um I mean, with the museum in Sush, for example, people, they have, I think, on average in the season, they have 100 visitors a day. People come up from Zurich, they take the train, they have, it's a beautiful scenic route. And um, in Stamfus as well, it's it's a bit off the beaten track, I'd say, but people take their time. And that's that, I think, makes it very special. Uh, 
Look, I'm curious. Uh, how important is is a fixed space? Because you are uh, you're you're of course all over the world, um, and and at, and at the same time, uh, yes, you've you've also been known for having a, a fixed gallery as as well. Uh, does does it matter um, if there is just the quality and trust in, in you as a gallerist, um, or do you need do you need a home base uh, as well to be able to define? Is it important to, uh, of course, yeah, have your own you know four sixteen walls uh, to be able to present? It's a very very good question, and I think at the moment a lot of people are asking themselves exactly that. You included. Question. Me included, always. It's always a uh, you know thinking about what's right for the context, for the art, for the for the customer, for 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 the context. Here, Nomad has a couple of you know exhibitors that don't have physical spaces. I find it extremely interesting to bring those people to the table. The fair format used to be always that you had to have an existing gallery with opening times. It had I think they even had specific how how many hours you be, had to be open a day, etc which now in this world st starts to sound, you know, more and more, the, the, it's breaking up. And, and I think the you know, the internet, how it's gotten very international. The, the, everybody during COVID, COVID said that the fair will go, disappear. Nobody's going to do fairs anymore. Well, here we are again, up and roaring. I feel like this, I don't know, this year we'll do two more fairs that we've added to, which is, you know, sounds crazy. Um, I think it's the, the brick and mortar is still relevant, but we're trying to tackle it in different ways. So we, 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 we start to use it in, 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 in different ways. But to answer your question, I think it's still important. Yeah. And it's for you in terms of getting, uh, getting out of the valley and, uh, and also getting out and, and being global. Uh, yeah. How? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm very happy in Stramp at the moment. Uh, I think there's ideas of, of sort of looking at fairs. I'm putting to pr together the program now, so it's not it's not quite there yet. I'm still quite young, I'd say. The gallery is still quite young, I'd say. Um, and so I I'm, I'm yeah I'm looking at fairs to complement the exhibition program. Okay, and uh, and just uh, before we go, what's coming up across the the summer season or as we? I have a show coming up with Vera Klimentevia, who's an incredible Russian artist who lives in Vienna, and what she does is she reduces Orthodox iconography with the old techniques. And um, upstairs we're showing um, also an incredible artist called Sigve Knudsen from Norway, who's originally a designer. Very good. And just quickly, Larkin, where are you off to after this? Uh, not, not just, you know, in personal life. Where, where will you be uh, taking your wagon next? Um, well, we're actually opening a new space in September in Zurich, so that's exciting. Um, and we're preparing uh, the catalog or a 10-year anniversary. Uh, of the gallery, so that's that's keeping us busy. Very good. Uh, good to see you, uh, Larkin Erdman, also a Fritz Steinhardt. Uh, that brings us to the end of our program uh, here at Nomad uh, in St. Moritz. A uh, big thanks to our producers today, Tom Webb, also our studio manager here in St. Moritz, David Stevens, and back in London, uh, Marielle Bevan and Emma Nelson uh, as well. I'm Tyler Brule. We are going to be back uh, in Zurich next week with a special edition of Monocle on Sunday, but it's, uh, I guess that's it from here. Uh, have a good weekend. Goodbye.